Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, all we ask is that we get through the podcast without you shoving or grabbing anybody. Can we do that? You know, I always try to shove or grab a couple of reporters a week. Uh, right here at the Weekly Standard, we have a lot of shoving and grabbing in our office space. It's very embarrassing. Kind of amazing. Huh? I mean, if, I, uh, what struck me the most, I, I was actually chief of staff to a vice president, who, of course, we had Secret Service more than Donald Trump as a candidate has. The idea that you would sort of intrude and, quote, protect your guy, I mean, unless it was some dire emergency, that the Secret Service couldn't do a good enough job is a little amazing. But again, if one of our staffers had, had jostled or, or you know, uh, sort of shoved aside a reporter, maybe inadvertently, or got overexcited or worried or something, what would you do? You'd just say, look, I'm really sorry about this. You know, there was, it was a kind of a madhouse there. Uh, the guy uh, overreacted a tad. Obviously, nothing was intended. And sorry about that. And that would have been it, incidentally. Michelle Fields had no intention of filing a police report. She was forced to almost because all the Trump supporters online and on Twitter taunted her, hey, if you were really assaulted, why aren't you filing a police report? So they, they deserve what they're getting here, both in terms of the initial action, but even more in the way they handled it. Didn't they tweet right away, the campaign manager Lewandowski tweeted right away that she was delusional and yes. Trump followed up with that? I mean, what way is that to talk about some reporter who you know, got slightly mishandled or, or manhandled or whatever the right word is at some event and it wasn't the end of the world to just apologize and move on. But this, so they deserve whatever grief they're getting on this, in my opinion. Well, the good news for Donald Trump is that he doesn't have a problem with women voters. So, you know, uh, seeing a staffer manhandle a woman, call her delusional and insulting her over and over again won't hurt him in his strong. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. Donald yeah. Trump is well, underwater with never, women. He never made fun of Carly Fiorina's Exactly. Well, attacked Megyn Kelly in a totally kind of gross and inappropriate mm way he's he's yeah he's he really he, he likes dealing with women apparently which brings us to what i'm anxious to hear from you about which is wisconsin and perhaps a moment of sanity from america's greatest source of dairy products i i'm a little nervous about wisconsin uh, bill as you know because steve hayes is from there so sketchy background but in all seriousness this looks like it might be the first test of unified non-trump voters and Team Trump in a state where the demographics would seem to trend towards Donald Trump. He can't say, well, this is Utah or this is, you know, a lot of evangelicals. It's a blue collar, white, uh, you know, white working class Wisconsin. Yeah, John McCormick is there, not just Steve Hayes. So it's a doubly uh, questionable (laughs) state, but a fine state, of course. Um, It is interesting. So poll out today, the Marquette poll, which is considered the best poll in Wisconsin, has Ted Cruz at 40, Donald Trump at 30, John Kasich, excuse me, at 21. Um, that's a pretty poor showing by Trump. If that holds up, uh, that would mean that Cruz would get the statewide winner to take all delegates and probably would win um, the great majority of congressional districts. So it would be a win for Cruz, a kind of clear win over Trump, as you say, once the field is kind of narrowed. And there's been a week off before Wisconsin, there's a week off after Wisconsin. So it sort of becomes the be- opening of the second half of the primary. It's not really the second half, this is the last 40% or so. But 40% is a lot, you know. And if it may be that, you know, so many people, me included, have incorrectly predicted Trump's downfall, the one hesitates to even go down that road. I'm not going down that road. 
I would just say that it might mark a bit of a change of momentum. The sense of Trump's inevitability would start to be called much more into question than it has been so far. Some of us have looked at the delegate totals and said, wait a second, it's not as inevitable as you think. But if you just, you know, are following the results each week, it's sort of Trump has won almost every week. That's that's a true statement and an unfortunate one, but a true statement. If he loses next Tuesday night, he loses the week. It's the only real contest. Then we have two weeks till New York, and then there's a bunch of primaries the week afterwards. I do wonder whether uh, the momentum change changes. Ted Cruz proves an ability to get, if he, let's say he gets 40%, a really pretty large vote in a state that shouldn't be that friendly to him. So I think it could be a pretty big moment. Uh, and before we look down the road, my question is, do you see any indication from the Cruz campaign that they are trying to become the big tent candidate because one of the frustrations i've seen from uh, uh never trump folks and have felt myself is senator cruz it's on you whether you know, whether you were anyone's right. first choice or not it's on you and he seems to still be focused on that narrow tea party of which i'm a member you know, evangelical my background i mean he's he's singing all the notes for the sliver of the party i represent but i get it we need bigger than that i think trump is leaving a lot of those people now uncovered because of his personal behavior the last few weeks does ted cruz seem to be opening the door for them at uh, team cruz you know i've worried about that i've i've publicly and privately also and whatever it's worth urged them to sort of be more self-conscious about opening that door, and I think Cruz could do it himself personally more just in the way he presents himself. On the other hand, it's easy to sit on the outside and say that it's hard when you're going 14 hours a day at a campaign and you've got a strategy and it's it's not working badly. He's the number two guy. But I, I think that's been a very important question, Mark. I was struck. I, I, I came back. I did actually a little event outside Baltimore for a very impressive congressional, Republican congressional candidate this year, a guy named Mark Plaster, running in uh, the 3rd Congressional District of Maryland. I think it's a Democratic plus six seat, an undistinguished incumbent. If, if Republicans have a good year, it's the kind of seat you could pick up. And this guy is a doctor and a businessman who volunteered uh, to join the Navy at age 50 about 10 years ago and served two tours in Iraq as a, as a, as a doc, as a doctor, because he thought it was you know, the right thing to do for the country. So a very impressive man. Uh, kind of guy would win in a decent year, perhaps, uh, not, is not going to be able to pick up that seat if Republicans are getting blown out across the board. So it, it made brought home to me when you meet someone like that who's put his life on hold to run for office because he really wants to just do the right thing for the country, uh, how important this election could be and how promising it looked six to nine or 12 months ago, right? Hillary Clinton, a very weak Democratic nominee, eight years out of Obama, people want to change. Republicans with recruiting a lot of good candidates, uh, unconventional candidates, someone like Mark Plaster, who's not a career politician, obviously. Uh, um, so anyway, so it brought home to me how important the year. So I came back from Baltimore, got home around uh, 840, 845, and um, Susan had the uh, CNN town hall on, and it was the last 15, 20 minutes of Ted Cruz. And so I just sat down and watched it, and he was excellent, I thought. And, and I thought moving exactly in the direction that you sort of mentioned, more human, uh, less hard edge, less trying to win every debating point, more, at least appearing more to listen to the uh, questioners and respond to their questions instead of sort of, as I say, trying to make a point every right. time. Or So I, I think he's trying, you know, but uh, it's not so easy as to, to do it as it is to recommend that he does it. But again, I think if he wins Wisconsin, it also kind of pushes him more in that direction. Uh, and, and lets other people come on board, and, and then those other people, too, could influence him some. 
Uh, so then you move on, like as you said, Pat, to Wisconsin, to a place like New York, where the strategy, it seems to me, would be all about congressional districts trying to find CDs where you could win, knowing that Donald Trump's likely to do well there. And is that the rest of the fight from here on out uh, for the large part is going to big places like uh, New York, Pennsylvania and California and trying to pick up uh, delegates, uh, you know, a sl- three at a time? I think that's a large part of it. There are some winner-take-all states, too, and, and there, I guess, Kasich becomes more of a problem for Cruz, whereas in the CD, in the congressional district-focused states, you could argue, at least, that Kasich and Cruz could sort of divide up uh, the work, though they may end up fighting each other as well. It's always hard for these guys to coordinate and so, sort of see their longer-term self-interest. Um, but, you know, what, what strikes me, it's funny, I was just talking to someone here about this in the office, about two weeks ago, I was chatting with Jay Cost, our colleague and friend, right. and he was saying, God, we're just, uh, Cruz just is, can't win Wisconsin. If Kasich stays in and gets 20% of the vote, that's a formula for a Trump victory. And it has been a formula for a Trump victory in other places. And what's most striking about today's poll is that Kasich is staying in and is doing pretty well, 21% of the vote. And Cruz is nonetheless winning. I don't think once you get complacent, I still worry about Kasich taking enough vote that uh, Trump w- could win in Wisconsin. And I worry about that down the road, too. But if, again, if this if this result holds, it's not just that Cruz would have beaten Trump, but that Trump might be running at about a third of the vote in Wisconsin in a three-man field. I mean, he really isn't doing any better than, let's say, the average candidate, if you want to put it that way. And, and, and maybe that's not the best formulation, but, but you know what I mean. Right. right. I mean, it's not suddenly this Trump, you know, oh, my God, what, what a formidable candidate becomes a front runner who's now underperforming a little bit and presumably would be vulnerable in other states, including the winner-take-all states that vote at the end of April and April 26th, uh, as he may turn out to be in Wisconsin. So, But I, the last thing one needs now is overconfidence. Obviously, we'll see what happens in Wisconsin. This poll was taken before last night, yesterday's developments with Lewandowski and last night's town hall. Trump, though, has shown an ability to come back before he lost Iowa. Some of us thought, okay, the bubble might burst, and then he went ahead and romped in New Hampshire. So um, I just think it feels more fluid. It feels less of like, oh, my God, we're pushing a huge boulder uphill if we want to stop Trump. A little more like, okay, there's a real fighting chance now. Okay, I will have a, uh, a cheerful question and then a potentially borderline suicidal question. And we'll okay. finish up with these. The cheerful one is... Uh, this is an opportunity for Scott Walker, isn't it? Uh, he's endorsed Cruz. He has a team that has you know, weathered two governor's races and a recall in, within four years. He knows, obviously, Wisconsin, but not only that, he knows how to mobilize people on the ground. Doesn't he want to show off, say, let's say that we have a convention where it's not settled and you're looking around for candidates for the top or you know, VP spot of the ticket? Could that accrue to Cruz's benefit that Scott Walker wants to show what he can do in Wisconsin? I think it should. I hope that's the way Scott Walker's thinking. That's the way I think he, he should be thinking, in for a dime, in for a dollar. But often these guys overthink. You know, they get cute. I don't want to invest too much. I've right. said my piece. So let's see what's, how much Scott Walker does. That was not as cheerful as hoping, so maybe this won't be as depressing as I'm hoping. <laughs> New national poll, Donald Trump, 48%. We can talk about Wisconsin all day long, but I don't see any change in the trajectory that over time Donald Trump is becoming, is edging up closer and closer to 50% of the support of Republicans nationwide. And I know the polls are registered voters and national polls don't count and all the other caveats, but the day we look at a poll Bill Crystal and see Trump 51, everyone else not. Isn't that going to have some kind of impact on 
the psychology of Republicans or the Republican brand itself? Yeah, so on the Republican brand itself, I think Trump uh, has finally begun damaging it, actually. I, I had been pretty confident that he hadn't been for much of late 2015 and early 2016. And I've got to say, the evidence didn't show that he was, his race, his, that his having 65% uh, unfavorable rating among voters nationally was hurting other Republicans down ballot or even the other presidential candidates in their matchups with Clinton. There's some evidence now, if you just look at a bunch of polls, that Trump is Trump's negatives are spilling over onto Republicans, just as his uh, matchup against Hillary Clinton has gone from about minus three or four to minus 10 or 11. So he's gotten less less favorably viewed by the general pu public, and he's looking more like the Republican brand for obvious reasons. He's been the Republican frontrunner now for months and months and months, and he's won a majority of Republican primaries. And I agree that there's a kind of snowball effect. And if you go from 35 to 38 to 43 to 48, you, the next place you're going to show up probably is 51 or 52. That's why Wisconsin is so important. Because I do think a clear loss in Wisconsin in a purple state that's not obviously disadvantageous to Trump, um, a loss to Cruz, who's not the guy you would have picked out of a hat early on or out of a, off, off, off a chart to do very well in Wisconsin, that loss could really maybe break that momentum. So I, I do think Tuesday night in Wisconsin is awfully important. And depending on how it goes, our next uh, podcast may be sponsored entirely by Canadian real estate brokers looking for your opportunity to relocate. And Australia and, Air and New Zealand uh, <laughs> you know, uh, airlines selling nice business class tickets for the Graham family to relocate. To, you know, so there's a market for the talk radio and the podcast over there down under, don't you think? Uh, I hope we don't have to find out. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time and for joining us today. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.